Welcome to Being Better Podcast, where we explore the things that make us happier, wiser, and more productive beings. Hi, my name is Julia, and I am your host. Every week, I take a concept, a technique, or a story to learn how it can make us better. I hope that this show can help you become the person you've always wanted to be. So here we go. Welcome back to the podcast. Glad to have you here and I hope you're having a great day. And before I introduce this week's guest, I want to quickly remind you that we have an Instagram and we have an email and I would be more than happy to answer your questions or simply to respond to your messages. So go say hi, send me your inquiries, your questions, your meditations on life or funny jokes or cat memes. I would love to read all of them and I will definitely respond as fast as I can. So the Instagram is at beingbetter.pod and the email is podcast.beingbetter at gmail.com. I would just love to meet you guys, to learn who you are, where are you from and what are you currently up to? And now my guest this week is Mariana Castro, a Brazilian multimedia journalist currently located in New York. These days, she is working as a reporter and fact checker at Polygraph.info. And before that, she was working for Vox Media, Vice on HBO, Jigsaw Productions and Newsweek Media Group. She is a NYU graduate and also a big advocate for equality, especially uh, for equality of Latinos. In our conversation, we discussed her journey with becoming a journalist, uh, her advice on getting recognized in a very saturated field, overcoming imposter syndrome, becoming a better storyteller, the problem of infobesity, which is a big one these days, activism for racial inequalities and the inequality in Brazil, which is a topic that I sadly didn't know a lot about before this conversation. And also we talked about becoming more open-minded. This was a conversation full of insights and diving deep within ourselves. I really enjoyed talking to Mariana and I hope you will enjoy listening to our discussion. So here is Mariana Castro. So I want to thank you, Mariana, so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you here. And just how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? It's great to be here. I am very great. This has been a lovely day. Um, The weather in here is absolutely incredibly amazing and better than I can ever ask for it is really so much you know I've just had a dentist appointment like an hour ago and I decided to go by bike and it's just it it was like a movie shot I was just riding my bike and you know the trees are blooming and I just felt like some kind of like 1930s or 40s movie like I was I don't know 
<laughs> Audrey Hepburn. So I mean, I don't know if she was even riding a bike in the movie, but that's how I felt. <laughs> so I am just in a magical and such a bliss. So yeah, it's it's just amazing. I don't know. I went on a round right now. Um, Take advantage of it. Yeah. But I'm I'm sure that the New York weather is going to come around and and it's gonna be better. Hopefully, it's getting there. It's getting there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for the listeners who haven't had the chance to come across you yet, or to read your work, or see your page, or just uh, learn about you, could you give us a quick bio um and i don't know just pick what you would like people to recognize you for so i am a brazilian journalist currently based in new york and i work as a fact checker reporter for polygraph.info um what would i want people to recognize me for don't stress it just you know i don't know if you were making a dating profile what you would like to put out there (laughs) (laughs) well my dating bio would be um i don't know someone who cares and wants people to care more about latin america oh that's so great i love that (laughs) that would be a wonderful dating profile (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean i have no idea how like dating profiles work and what are the desirable qualities because the things I find desirable are usually the things that the society doesn't really want. so you know I for me you know if if I came upon that dating profile I was just like oh such a such so you know so lovely and you know but <laughs> so yeah, deep, I would date so you. nice <laughs> amazing <laughs> Um, okay, before we get into all of my questions, I want to stop right here and talk about the recommendations of this week, which is a segment that we have here at the beginning of the show, um, in which me, if it is a solo episode or the guest, if I have someone on, recommend something to the listeners that I explain it as something that can be easily accessible to the listener. So something they can read or something they can watch or experience just and get value from so it can be a movie movie book a podcast uh, an artist and just something that you find valuable and something that you think we might find valuable as well so what would be your recommendation to us this week can i can i do two <laughs> yeah I exactly oh, i forgot to say that you can do as many as you'd like okay i think um there's one book that I'm reading that I am very fascinated by that's called the Jakarta Method. It is nonfiction, so it's about um the US's um anti-communist crusades during, you know, the 1960s, uh specifically in regards um to Indonesia in this case, but it talks about a lot of the the history of the U.S. and other countries during that period of time. Um, It's definitely not a light read, but I have miraculously been able to finish a novel, which I hadn't in a while, that's called The Invisible Life of Eddie LaRue, and it is amazing. 
I highly recommend it. It's very easy to read and it's very captivating. Oh, and what is it like about? How can I say this shortly? Essentially, this woman, um, she makes a deal with the devil that she wants to live forever, but her immortality comes at the cost that whenever she meets people and she leaves, they're going to forget her. Um, and it's essentially her life and going through, you know, decades and centuries of meeting people and being forgotten. And then one day meeting a man that doesn't forget her. Um, and I'm not going to say anything else because then I'm going to ruin the book. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, it's um, recently I found myself really into memoirs and I don't know, reading about different stories and seeing someone develop through years, I just find that a such a, I don't know, riveting thing. A novel right now that I find interesting isn't, you know, a relationship of two people. I mean, sometimes I find that interesting too, but usually, right, these life stories is what I... I don't know, I find myself craving recently, so I will definitely add that to my good read to read list. Yeah, sometimes it's good to read novels. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for that recommendation. Okay, so uh, am I correct in saying that you've uh, grown up in Brazil or when did you move to, to the US? Yes, uh, I grew up in Brazil and I moved away when I was 18. I moved to London and then I lived there for two years and then I came to New York and I've been here okay. for six and a half years. So you have experienced all of it, you know, growing up uh, until adulthood basically in Brazil and then seeing yeah. London and New York. I think these places on the surface, they might seem similar because, you know, they're well of countries pretty much but i think deep down they are very different from each other you know culture wise and also different mm -hmm. historical backgrounds and um, political systems and i'm curious you know do you think that because you've grown up and you know watching different these systems and cultures and people was the reason why you decided to pursue journalism i wouldn't think that that was exactly it i think even inside of brazil uh i mean brazil is huge and extremely different depending on you know each place you go uh my curiosity about things actually never allowed me to pick a career <laughs> growing up. So I changed my mind all the time. And I think things started falling into place of how can I use this curiosity um, to try out different things and make a profession out of it. And I really loved writing ever since I was little. So I think it just came, it came together eventually. But yeah. I think living abroad has definitely like expanded the scope of you know my interest for certain topics in journalism. That is absolutely true. And I'm sure that changes, but where 
would you say that you feel most at home right now? Honestly, New York. Okay. Um, it is. <laughs> it's been a journey. <laughs> I think now that I've, ever since I graduated college and I've just been here as an adult with many friends that I have from back home here too, you just kind of start to grow your own roots. Um, I think Brazil will always be home, especially because all of my family is there. But when I think about home, I think about New York City. And I'm curious, can you uh, kind of explain your journey from being in high school in Brazil to then moving um, to London and then, you know, studying in, in NYU? Yeah, so I graduated high school and I applied for college in London, uh, but I applied for fashion journalism. Okay. Which t turned out not to be what I wanted to do. And it's, it was, I had a very different idea of what it would be and what it was. Um, but I did two years of that in London. And when I was in high school, I actually, ever since 2009, I really wanted to study at NYU. But I ended up not applying for the fear of being rejected, which I would never recommend anyone doing. Uh, so learn from an young age that, you know, you always have the no. So if you don't seek the yes, you'll never get it. Um, but after two years in London, I wasn't happy in the college I was in. And so I applied to transfer to NYU. Knowing more about myself and what I wanted to do. Um, and then I applied for an undergrad in journalism and political science. And it worked out. I love that you said that all you have is no. So go get your yes. I am in complete of all of this concept recently. Um, I think one of my guests said that if you don't ask, the answer is will always be no. And I don't know, it's just recently I've just kept coming onto this idea, which is pushing me to do things that I would, you know, think that I would be rejected from. And recently, one of the things that was influenced by this was that I decided to also invite on the podcast people that I would never expect that they would say yes. Um, I've uh, invited, you know, I don't want to spoil it. And, uh, you know, Hopefully it will work out, but, uh, uh, you know, I wrote to a professor at uh, UPenn and she was you know, working at Harvard and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know if she will come, if she would, that would be incredibly amazing. But, and I didn't think, you know, that she would respond to me, but I just decided, you know, screw it, I'm going to write to it. And she responded that, you know, she has to, you know, check uh, how that is possible. But the thing is, I wouldn't ever expect that she would even, you know, write back to me. And those are the things, you know, I love that how you said, you know, that if you don't ask, the answer is always no. And all you have is no. Yeah, my friend, <laughs> my friend puts it in very simple terms. He says, shoot your shot. Um, and it's true. I mean, you know, you'll never know until you go after it. 
And I think we all have fears of failure and rejection, and that's normal. But in order for us to grow, I think we have to overcome that and we have to, you know, power through and take that journey and (laughs) jump off the cliff and go. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So speaking of scary and incredible things, you have worked for you know places like hbo and vox and now polygraph info and i think you know so many probably other incredible platforms and i think i speak for everyone when i say that it is impressive so you know if i if you also put that on your dating profile i would be like you know completely like wow (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i think that there are just a lot of people who dream about not necessarily in journalism but just you know being employed but just more recognizable platforms or companies or employers in their their area and what would be your advice to a school kid for example who or your younger self you know you know just dreaming about becoming let's talk about journalists only right now um becoming a journalist and working for these bigger and more recognizable platforms, what uh, would be your advice on, you know, just the process of showing your work and showing that you have value? In journalism, you just, I mean, you have to love what you do. And I think most journalists would agree that, you know, you don't go into journalism for another reason. Um, But you should get out and start looking for stories the moment you know you want to be a journalist. Not only to, you know, I think one thing that's very important in journalism is having bylines or having work to show, but you will learn more about journalism on the street or reporting than you will at college. That's that's true for most jobs, but it's very true for journalism. And you will develop, you know, interest and you'll understand what you like and you will just become a better journalist. And I think being able to do that um, and, again, not being scared to, you know, going out, writing a story, creating a blog, uh, publishing it, reaching out to people you admire and, you know, maybe asking them to read it or if they write about something that you're interested in, talk to them about a story that you're interested in. I think people are very, are much more open to, you know, giving advice or giving feedback that we'd like to believe. Um, And just hustling, honestly. It's, I don't think there's a very set out formula for doing things, but if you're following what you love, people are going to be much more open to giving feedback and, if you're following what you love and you're not being discouraged about, you know, beginnings of careers and roadblocks that you're going to hit in the way and you power through that, you will eventually be able to to get to places. Yeah. I think it's very much about the effort that you put in and your determination to, to do it than anything else. Yeah. If, if you work hard, it's going to be visible. And I guess, yeah, that's 
that's a good advice and do you have like any I don't know um, tips that you have uh, for you know getting employed and um, some tips with your CV I, I always like to to get different points of views on, on that yeah I think one thing that's I think important to point out is obviously I think I'm very aware that my position I was already you know in New York City I was studying at NYU so I had kind of an in so it's not that it's like work hard and things are going to work out for you there's a lot of issues that you know people have to overcome but it's the best advice <laughs> from person to person without figuring out societal issues is <laughs> work hard and value yourself and value your work and just power through. But for tips, honestly, tips I always got in college is network, 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 network. Um, so it's what I was saying, you know, you have something, reach out to people. Um, the no you already have, you don't know if you're going to get a yes, maybe you know someone that you really admire uh, a journalist and they agree to have coffee with you and you have a chance to talk to them about something um, there's always a lot of events that are going on especially I think with the pandemic now things are online so it's much more accessible to a lot of people um, and apply <laughs> apply to jobs yeah and network honestly in journalism I think a lot of a lot of the things are going to be through, you know, getting to know people and then being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And I also think, you know, that is applicable to other careers too. I think networking is undervalued. I, I, someone, I think it was on a podcast, someone was talking about like this metaphor that there is this kind of building a room that is um, just kind of this metaphor for success or promotion or getting a job or this, you know, I would say, you know, success. And there is the door to that room with a line of people. So you can either go and stand in that line of people or you can get to know the person who you know is using the back door and can let you in and you know get through the window so I I think it's just a nice metaphor that right you know you can stand in the line and you can also try to get through that window and I think networking is a tool that is Sometimes people, I mean, I know that a lot of people think about it, but I think most of the time people forget, you know, about it. They focus on the college and the experience that you can show, you know, the, like I was saying, you know, maybe, you know, me too. I, I think I'm also focused on the CV and how it looks like, but even if you don't have the circumstances to get the achievements on your CV, focusing on networking can be can allow you to have these opportunities that that cv would get you without that cv and yeah i think networking gets you in the door and then your work will will get you the job or not i mean both of my jobs at vice and vox i got because of networking so it definitely pays off <laughs> <laughs> okay 
Awesome. And since you have so much experience with creative work of all kinds, because I know that you were doing, you know, you know, right now you're fact-checking, fact but you're also writing and doing video journalism and, you know, so much creative work. And what would be your advice for becoming a better storyteller and also just what practice has helped you improve at your creative process as as a whole you have to be open to observing the world i think the biggest thing that i've learned and i took one class in college that really taught me that is your observation skills and The class was called Point of View, so we learned to, you know, observe and then write about our surroundings. And I think that's key when you're talking about, you know, the world, and especially in journalism, that you're going to be writing about things that are happening around you. Um, I think in the world that we live nowadays, the more skills you have, the better, because they're going to be interchangeable at some point. So if you know how to write, that's great. But, you know, things are increasingly online. Video is great. Podcasts are booming. And so learning different skills is definitely something that will be helpful for everyone, especially because you can combine them. So you can, you know, write something that has audio or has video or has photos in it. Um, Be very curious. That, I think, is the... One of the bigger qualities I think about when I think about storytelling, because that curiosity will drive you to look for things, to observe things, to learn things. Uh, so never lose your curiosity, I think is my, it's my main one. It's definitely what drove me to journalism. Mm. And at And, this moment in, oh, continue, sorry. No, I was going to say also never stop learning, but that's one in general for everyone never stop learning yeah i i honestly staying curious and learning you know this is a being better podcast it's about self-improvement it is just this whole thing it's my kind of motto so i completely agree with that i think you know learning and improving in ways that you wouldn't think of you know a couple of years before is for me a key to success i define success not as a place that you are going to get to but growing you know that journey to that place exactly you know, growing, it's, the, it's the journey and yeah growing and wanting to grow and at the same point being satisfied with yourself and knowing that you're enough um i i've been talking about the definition of success in a previous episode or two episodes um previous and I think that you know yeah that's mine and I know that for people it will be different definitions but right now for me yeah it's it's the the journey the learning it is and I think I mean it's not easy I think it's very easy to say it's definitely not easy to do um I am saying this as if I I have everything figured out I definitely don't (laughs) I struggle a lot with imposter syndrome I don't think that it ever really goes away. It's something that you just have to battle through and change the mindset that, you know, 
you folk if you focus on what you're doing now it can help you a little bit in terms of not overthinking about where you envision yourself to be and you not being there and like the steps that you're taking every day to grow and be better as a person but one day we all get there i definitely have not <laughs> yeah i mean that is so great that you talked about imposter syndrome i actually wanted to ask you i i am i struggle immensely with imposter syndrome and you know right now i've through realizing that if i don't ask the answer will be no i try to push myself to doing things i don't think i am qualified to do and i i don't know i wanted to ask you because you know since you have probably worked with other amazing incredible journalists and probably some of them were more experienced than you um have you developed any practices that you can share that helped you overcome that imposter syndrome that i think everyone has you know some of us more than others in practice no <laughs> in theory i would say try not to compare yourself to other people um and also don't assume that people don't have their own struggles because most of the time they all will um but it's hard i mean it's hard not to you know to be in a room with extremely talented people and not think that you don't belong there but i think if you got to that point it's because of something and you should always remind yourself that of what you did and that you got there and that focusing on just getting better and becoming a better version of yourself rather than trying to imitate whoever it is that you admire or you know you like because we're all we're we're, we're all different and we're all going to you know have our qualities and our issues i think in terms i i just think of it that in terms of like tips and practices what can be helpful when you right find yourself in that room with so many incredible people is to remind yourself of your bio which is you know i know it's kind of, it might seem hard and cheesy but just remind yourself of all the things that you did to get into that room because like if you you know if i looked at you and i met you and i realized that you know you were a brazilian an immigrant and you were able to get to nyu and then you know work with amazing people and your work is you know also great i would think you know why why does she experience imposter syndrome and you know I would think that if in that room I would remind myself, oh, Julia, you know, remember, you did this, 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 and this, and this. And you also have value. Just with reminding yourself that you are also a person of value. Um, my dad says that if you are thinking of a person and you're putting them on a pedestal, you should um, imagine that they're in their, their underwear um <laughs> that or, is a classic <laughs> yeah the other way or you know that they are pooping because he's he, he, he thinks that when you are looking at a person and imagining that they are in the toilet then that they're you know authorities just that you are realizing that they're just a normal human being 
I kind of like it. However, I don't know. It, it doesn't make me feel less of a person when I think that they are, you know, doing biological and normal life, you know, functions. You know, for, for some, might think that might work. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just reminding of yourself that this is also a human being with their struggles and with their successes too but you know probably they experience the same kind of anxiety that you do and I don't mean to sound like I have it all figured out because like I said I am struggling with that and those are all the things that I can talk about you know in theory however eh, sometimes I forget about them and I can spiral into (laughs) just complete and utter you know, thinking that I am this tiny, uh, but I am actively working. No, on but that. yeah, and I think society can be very individualistic at points, but it's not a zero sum game. So it's not that if someone is you know successful, you won't be. So you shouldn't necessarily look at someone and be threatened by something that you admire about them, and you can actually learn from them. I think absolutely, if you're in a room and there's someone who you think is fantastic not only should you remind yourself of your value but you should also strive to learn as much as you can from that person yeah i i love that i that i that is something <laughs> that i should also think about yeah i i think i will develop a like a cheat sheet of all the things that i should think about when i feel less than someone um one of my may intentions i keep i make intentions each, each month one of my my may intentions is that i am not superior to anyone and i'm not inferior to anyone and i should treat everyone with loving kindness no matter if they are my enemy or my friend and ex- again I'm actively working towards that, but it's definitely much easier to said than done. Um, Absolutely. Okay, uh, I guess moving on, I wanted to also touch a bit on the journalism side of things. And the thing that I'm thinking a lot of uh, these days is that there is so much information out there these days. You know, some even call it infobesity, which I like this term because I think it is very, it very well describes our relationship with information as a whole these days. It makes us like fat, like, you know, like sugar and, and, and fatty foods make us fat and unable to properly function i think infobesity makes us unhealthy in a way that we cannot be mindful we cannot be present we cannot sit with our thoughts and it's just so hard these days i think to just to just do nothing and to think of nothing mm-hmm. and yeah i'm just curious what is your take on it as a journalist and how in your opinion is infobesity influencing us and what can we do about it because i don't think you know we should stop 
journalism and not write and not create content because that's what I do and that's what you do and I think it is valuable however I think it's important to be more a critical thinker and develop certain practices so what is your take on this whole thing as as a creator and, and journalist that's yeah I think <laughs> there are many parts uh to that one and I absolutely fall under the I cannot stop consuming information. Um, I have had moments that I had to force myself to stop because I'd be like, I need to know what's happening. I need to know, I need to know, I need to know, like online all the time. It's definitely not helpful and it's not healthy. And I think, I mean, I think every generation goes through issues of, technology evolving and then things being different and in this case information just being so easily accessible that it can become overwhelming we might be going through an issue of just a failure of filtering (laughs) so because information is so easily accessible and i think most people are not just you know used to you google literally anything and you have that information out there and you just share it with the world and it doesn't go through the, you know, your filter and other people's filters. And then it just keeps on going. Um, it's important to be mindful, I think. I mean, as a journalist, and I think especially in my job of fact-checking, to try to take a step back. So, you know, I think personally for your own well-being, stop at points. <laughs> it's important. I don't do it, but other people should. Always, I think, ask If you're reading something and if you come across information during, you know, throughout your day, ask the basic questions. Question basic assumptions, I think, are two things that should be, you know, the basis of how we deal and consume uh, information. What are the kind of questions that you like to ask yourself? I think if you're on Twitter... And you read something. And you should never, I think, take for granted assumptions. That's something that, it's one of the reasons I think why I got into journalism. That if someone told me like, oh, you know, the sky is blue. I'd be like, why? (laughs) Not necessarily an answer to that to a three-year-old, but I would ask it. But if you are, I don't know, reading something and you're trying to disprove it. You just always take a step back and think like, why does this bother me? What am I trying to to disprove? Am I looking like am I overlooking something? Do did I know this? How did I know this? Um, do I have some sort of bias that makes me automatically take whatever I'm looking at for granted and just sharing it? I think I can go on and on and on about this. It really depends on what we were dealing with, and it's hard because I mean increasingly the more information i think even for me as a journalist like i got into journalism at a time where you know it was i mean we always hear that it's a fast-paced environment but the fast-paced environment of like the 1970s is very different than the fast-paced environment of almost 2020 uh so it's also hard to have a big enough attention spam to dive like delve deep into a story and then an hour later another story is happening 
Um, personally, that's one of the reasons why I never got into breaking news because I think I was going to go insane. I like, if I'm looking at a story, I will want to know, you know, like a building exploded. I would want to know why, what happened, who was involved, what's the history, what's happening. Um, so for me, it's something that somewhat comes naturally, but something that I have to police myself into doing a lot. It's a very complicated dynamic because you don't want to, you know, completely disconnect at all or in general, but you also don't want to have so much stimulation, let's say, that you're going to get to a point that you're burned out and then you, you have to pick up back the pieces of, of something. Yeah, I, th I think these questions can really help because what I think about uh, infobesity is we have to develop and develop um, the skills of being a critical thinker. And yeah, absolutely. Even, even if you are bombarded with information, sometimes it's hard to understand what is true and what is not true. And sometimes you can assume that something is true without even realizing that you are doing it. And questioning is the basic practice of becoming a critical thinker. So I think this, yeah, is, and, this is very helpful. And that's the thing. Like critical, no one is born a critical thinker. Uh, and that's something you develop. And I mean, one of the big things that you develop as a critical thinker is, you know, being aware of your own biases Um, and I mean, if we're talking about, you know, spreading false information, I think you can be extremely educated and not be media savvy and then go on the internet and read something and not think twice about whether or not that information is true or false and just share it. It's the process of becoming savvy on the internet and always policing yourself and I guess reversing your thoughts whenever you're you're looking into something that's that's helpful thank you for your advice I also wanted to ask you about your work and kind of get back to what you said what you said at the beginning about what you would like to put on your dating profile about working <laughs> um on improving the equality. And I think from what I've read, a big part of your work uh, revolves around the problem of, you know, inequality in all areas of our society. And, you know, of course, in different countries, there will be a different level of inequalities, but I really don't believe that there's a country that doesn't struggle with with that and since you know you've studied and observed these different these different countries and different cultures different political systems which you know I'm sure you know one were better than than others what do you think we as citizens you and me and basically just normal people listeners of this show can do on a daily basis to work towards 
fighting, you know, gender inequalities and race inequalities and, you know, other other inequalities. So since you've observed so many different political systems, what do you think society should look like if it was one that is inviting to people from all backgrounds? Yeah, um, I think for journalists, it's very easy to like point out the issues. It's hard to come up with solutions sometimes. Um, but I think you're right that living in different places, I think the, the very big example that I carry on is growing up in Brazil, where, I mean, inequality is humongous. It's very easy to grow up sheltered from that and to not, you know, obviously you, you, you know it exists, but you just are not actively seeking to understand why or to do something about it. And I grew up personally, I think a lot of people did too, thinking, you know, the United States is fantastic and it's perfect and it's beautiful. And moving here has opened my eyes not only to the flaws that exist inside of this country, but to understanding and looking, I think, from a distance into my own country and understanding more, like, the objective, or looking objectively and understanding more of, you know, the issues and the good things that we have. Um, and I think for people, it's you should always be aware and recognize your own privileges. I think it's easy to tell someone that they should care, that it should come from them. But if you are in tune with, you know, the world around you and you recognize that you have, you, you, you're better off than a lot of people. You have privileges, whether it is because you're a man, whether it is because you're white, whether it is because of your social status, whether it is because of the country you live in. And understanding the realities of other people who are different from you can help you, even if it's not for you to actively fight against inequality, it can help you not continue to make, to, to act on things or to do things that will increase even more the inequalities that we already have in the world. Um, I think for my job, my, my job is to, you know, point out realities that happen a lot. And I like to, I think it's a reason why I like talking about Brazil specifically so much that, I mean, I am from there and I understand the things that are happening there more than people who don't live there. But I'm also not there physically present that I can have a look of, you know, a foreigner and just question things that might be obvious for people who already live in that reality. And to point out both from, you know, whoever is reading that, that, you know, this thing exists and you should care about it because we all live in one world. And for better or for worse, things that can happen across the world will affect us at some point. And just out of curiosity, because I honestly don't know much about the topic um can you talk about the problem of inequality in brazil in comparison to what you've experienced with um you know the u.s for example because i am guilty i've heard some 
things, but not not a lot. I think Brazil is. I mean, I don't think Brazil is one of the most unequal countries in the world, and it is a disparity of inequality that you know goes beyond. I think what you would see, for example, in the U.S. Um, that you have. I mean, you have poverty. You have extreme poverty. You have. In many places in Brazil, I think it's something that you don't see. And I think especially if you're visiting, you're not going to go to the northeast of Brazil to see people who don't have water or who have to pick up trash, like in dumpsters, not on the street. Obviously, I think you will see that a lot. But people who, you know, need government assistance because they don't have water or obviously they're not going to have a house. They're not going to have food. They're not going to have anything. And they're going to live with like seven I think it's seven reais, I might be wrong, which is a dollar a month to live. And it's, you know, it's it's not an easy thing to be constantly talking about, but it is worse to ignore it, I think. Um, and for me, recognizing, I think, what I said and I think it's something that I did that recognizing my own privileges and thinking about how I can use those privileges to have a positive impact in society in a certain way is very helpful for me and it could be helpful for people to become better citizens yeah do you think these practices um that we and me and the listeners people who don't live in Brazil or, or, or do but these practices of um, choosing for example products that aren't um, causing you know for example deforestation of deforestation. the Amazon and um, also are you know these little things that these little choices that we make to kind of prevent it these inequalities of uh, minorities and people who don't want who i mean it's different thing because you know there are people in brazil who really want to get you know live a, a life of of be, uh, developed countries and there also are these tribes in amazon that want to be left alone so i know that those are different things but do you think that these little practices and things that we choices that we make are important or from a journalistic standpoint do you think it's more like the greenwashing in fast fashion just uh, you know something that makes the consumers feel better when actually it doesn't really make a difference i think it can be a little bit of both i think I can be very pragmatic when I think about this. And I mean, I make decisions that I would hope <laughs> would make such practices, you know, decrease. But at the end of the day, I think if we're talking about, you know, a thousand consumers not buying, I don't know, meat that comes from a company that is using deforested areas in the Amazon is not going to affect that company. So that kind of has to come from, you know, a top-bottom change. But it shouldn't discourage people to not do it because 
I think they would go hand in hand that people would start doing this and they would change their mentality. And the more people that don't do it, the more pressure you're going to put on companies to change the way they do things because they want to you know, sell products to consumers while having a kind of top-down pressure in terms of whatever it is, legislation, um, to kind of go hand in hand to change it. So I would absolutely think that, I mean, it does make you feel better because yeah, you were going to be helping the world in, in your mind, but it, it's not, for me, it's not the answer and the most useful thing, but it's definitely not useless. I think the big reason why, you know, I don't want to get into like, the reasons of inequality but i think right now these days we are as polarized as we have ever been and as much as we experience you know globalization we are experiencing a lot of tribalism and we are viewing you know the democrats versus the republicans and the left versus the right and the white versus the black and you know sure it's easier for us to understand and put ourselves into boxes because that's how we work. But I think even, you know, I wouldn't be that kind of person who would say all all lives matter when it's Black Lives Matter movement uh, because I know what the point is. However, I think that making sure that we are not saying black people are X and white people are X means that we are not divided and fighting inequality should be should stem from just us viewing the other person as human just as we talked about with imposter syndrome seeing that person as equal not inferior not superior and since you know you can be of help here since you have you know seen a lot of countries and different people and different cultures, what do you think are the most common qualities of being human? What are the things we share? And even when we talk about people we are complete, completely disagree with, that have completely different points of views, what do you think are the things that we share rather than the things that we, well, we have different? What... Do you think, yeah, what, what do you think are the common things? Um, I think, I mean, we all, we all are biologically kind of the same. We all breathe, we all eat, we all think. Um, I think a lot of the polarization that happens in our world, it's, and I mean, a lot of issues that we have, at least in my view, from, you know, racism to xenophobia to whatever it stems from unknown you don't know you know the other person so it's you have to put them in a box because our brain can't function with gray areas um but we also have to understand that everyone has different realities and there are some things that I think are obviously right and wrong, but a lot of times are true and false, but a lot of times, you know, reality can present two different truths. 
or falseness. And the more you understand the reality of other people, the more you're going to be, or the easier it will be for you to become more tolerant to other people and to different things. And I mean, at the end of the day, I think we as humans, I don't even know, I can get very philosophical on this. We as humans. I'll get as philosophical as you want. <laughs> I love these kind of discussions. I think we, no, but I, I really do think that we as like human beings are all, you know, trying to navigate through life in one way or the other. I think, and different people are going to have different priorities. Like, I don't think everyone would want to sit down and evaluate their existence on a Saturday. Some people do. I've done it. Um, but we all want a better life for ourselves. And we all share as humans the necessity for as much as I mean, I live in the U.S., so it's a very individualistic country. For as much as we tend to think of ourselves as one, I'm, I'm myself and I just have to focus on myself. We need and we get better by having other people around us. And if the people around you are better, you are able to lift off that group of people as a whole, some way or the other. Um, And if we start thinking about ourselves as more collaborative beings or more communal beings instead of just I am my world and that's all I can think about, we can kind of maybe change our mindsets about a lot of things in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's true. Um, I often find myself just really being annoyed at people who have different mindsets than I have and different points of views about the politics and stuff but yeah I should just remember I make myself remember that we all want the same things we all just want to be loved we all just want peace and we want to feel safe and sometimes if a person who is acting not good with you know a black person usually I don't know I I want to believe that it's because of not understanding it's because of fear and I don't want to I I I want to think of that person as someone that I need to just help understand that there's nothing to be afraid of and I just I hope that we can live in a world that is not as paralyzed uh, as it is right now and that we are going to get better. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, there's also a, a thing of you not projecting. Like, if you think about, I want to, I don't know, I want to help X group of people do certain things. You shouldn't project your own reality into the cause you should listen, <laughs> which is something that honestly sounds very obvious, but it's it, it doesn't happen that much that you just listen to what people are telling you. Yeah, and not and not, not wait to even to if have it's your yeah. Point. Sometimes sometimes helping is just getting out of the way. <laughs> that can help. Um, 
And it is a lot about understanding, I think. I think, like, I mean, if we look at the elections that happened in the U.S. last year, um, that a lot of people were just shocked that, for example, a lot of Latinos voted for Trump because Trump, um, you know, had a rhetoric about immigrants and Mexicans that made people assume that if you were Latino and you're from a Mexican descent or you're Mexican, you would never vote for Donald Trump. But they don't think about the fact that, you know, Latinos are not a monolith. <laughs> so it's not, I mean, I'm thrown into the Latino group. And I think if you ask every Brazilian that you know, most of them would tell you that it's weird to be thrown into the Latino block. Uh, but they're not thinking about the reality of these people. Like a, a Latino person that lives in New York City and it's uh, upper class is very different than a Latino that lives in Texas uh, and is, I don't know, lower class. And they work in different things. Their priorities are different. Their realities are different. Um, and so you actually taking the time to try to put yourself in another person's shoes can really help you expand your idea of the world and other people and make you a more um, tolerant person, I would hope to believe. I am really happy with all of the things we talked about today. I think it was such a lovely conversation and I hope we provided a different or a valuable point of view to uh, the listeners and i want to thank you so much for coming thank and you, speaking with me today of course this Do was great you want to plug anything to the listeners um where they can they can find you or find your work uh, if they want to uh, learn more uh you can find me on social media I don't think I've ever said this out loud. This is very funny. Um, I have most of my social media is just the same. It's Mariana B. A. Castro. And you can find most of my work now on polygraph.info. So if you go there and you see anything about Latin America, that is me. You can reach me by email. I am happy to talk. <laughs> I love talking clearly. <laughs> um, but yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wasn't that a lovely conversation? And I think that these topics are very important ones to discuss in the world that we are living in today. I think staying open-minded and growing to work together will both be the things that will define if we are going to be able to overcome climate change and the incredible growth of technology and the dangers of nuclear war because at this point in time these aren't the problems that a one country or one race one community can solve by themselves no these are global problems that we only can solve through understanding one another and working together no matter what our religion or political background is. I hope you found this conversation eye-opening in one way or another and 
as I said at the beginning of the episode, if you have any thoughts on uh, the topics we discussed today, don't hesitate to share them via email or on Instagram. And now let's segue into the insights of the week segment in which I share my thoughts on something I realized or experienced in the past week. And this week I want to talk about the unexpected opportunities that lie within failure. And to explain it, let's take the example of the coronavirus pandemic. So no one really saw this pandemic coming. I mean, maybe some scientists and Bill Gates, but that is a completely different story. So I would say most of us average citizens were surprised when, you know, we first experienced lockdown and working from home and studying from home. You know, some got fired and some experienced a lot of financial insecurities and some businesses even had to close. And I think it is safe to say that a lot of people considered this past year as a time of failure. However, even though it wasn't easy, I think this pandemic also had some positive impacts on us, like spending more time with our families or resting more or picking up a new hobby. I mean, this podcast is a result of having a little bit more free time due to lockdown. Some companies, for example, even decided to stick with working remotely after the pandemic because they found this style of working more efficient. And they made this decision even though they didn't even want to try remote working pre-pandemic when asked by some researchers on this topic. So there were a lot of new opportunities and upsides of this pandemic and I'm sure you too can find at least one good thing that was a result of this situation. And this applies to so many more quote-unquote bad things that happened to us. I'm sure that you've heard about Steve Jobs, for example, who was fired from his own company. But this turned out to be a great opportunity to step away from Apple and develop new ideas that would eventually transform the company when he came back. In the time when he was fired, Steve Jobs also created um, a small animation company you might have heard of called Pixar. He reinvented his ideas for the Macintosh and eventually was asked to return to the company that he helped to create. And I'm sure you know hundreds of stories like this. Because this is a very common scenario. We often mistakenly label situations that are inconvenient at the time when they happen to us as bad and overlook the opportunities that are presented because of them. And if you asked why there are often good things that are coming out of things we view as failures and in my opinion there are a couple of explanations. First of all I think we are very very bad at predicting what is or what will be good for us. I think we see the future using the filter of our current mindset, our current goals and our current fears. 
So picture yourself from five years ago, for example. Would you like that person to be deciding what is good for you and what is the best possible outcome for you? Like picture yourself from five years ago. I did that too. And, you know, I would not like that person to be deciding what I should do. And that is probably what I'm going to think about my current self in a few years. So this is one of the reasons. And a probably more important factor is that we put things into boxes and label them as, quote, good or bad. When in reality, there isn't anything that is entirely positive or negative. There are just things that are currently convenient or inconvenient. But I think we shouldn't judge our reality and our experiences, but simply be grateful for the opportunity of getting to even experience them. So there is a story that I have recently read in a book called A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle that I love and that I think describes all of this very well. And it is a story of, quote, a wise man who won an expensive car in a lottery and his family and friends were very happy for him and came to celebrate. Isn't it great? They said. You are so lucky. The man smiled and said, maybe. For a few weeks, he enjoyed driving his car And then one day, a drunken driver crashed into his new car at an intersection and he ended up in a hospital with multiple injuries. His family and friends came to see him again and said, that was really unfortunate. And again, the man smiled and said, maybe. While he was still in the hospital one night, there was a landslide and his house fell into the sea. Again, his friends came to him the next day and said, weren't you so lucky to have been here in the hospital? And again, he said, maybe. So you can see there isn't anything that is entirely good or entirely bad. There's only a subjective way to view and judge these things and a limited amount of evidence that allows us to make our judgments. So, therefore, my insight of this week is that I, maybe you too, but the insight (laughs) is what I've learned. So, what I've learned is that I shouldn't label the things and the situations I'm currently in and just accept them as they are. Because there can be a lot of great opportunities that can come out of uh, these situations and also a lot of hardships But that is all in the future. And at this moment, at the moment when these situations happen, all I have is the present. And there is just no point in limiting myself and focusing on something that hasn't yet happened just by unnecessary labeling and putting these experiences and situations into boxes. So that is my insight of this week. I hope it was helpful and I hope it was interesting. I also want to thank you so much for listening to my discussion with Mariana Castro and I will speak to you in the next one.
edited and produced by Julia Spohr. If you want to learn more, visit the website attached in the episode description or visit our Instagram page, which you can also find in the episode description. If you want to support the show, there are a couple of ways to do that. The first one is just to tell your friends and tell your family about the show and tell them why you like it and why they could also like it. You can also share it on your social media platforms. Another way to support us is to write a review, rate and subscribe to the podcast because that helps new listeners find the podcast as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I will speak to you very, very soon.